Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. area google that the sheep hole wilderness area uh, which is just outside of 29 palms california and uh it is beautiful out here and i got the van doors closed and uh i'm just chilling i like that i like closing the door sometimes because it sounds a little bit more like a studio so i close the van door i close the, the curtains and uh me and charlie chill out but, um, no, it's, uh, it's really cool. We have a van lifer calling me uh, momentarily. I happen to be in an area where I have some uh, cellular telephone service, which is amazing because uh, it's not that easy to find around here. But I drove until I, I got a little glimmer of service, and then I'll be going back to my campground uh, tonight. My campsite, I guess you would say. It's not a campground because I'm the only one there. But... I've been enjoying uh, doing this new show and interacting with all of you on my YouTube channel, on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. Mostly I'm inter- interacting uh, right now on YouTube. Uh, go go, to, go follow, me along, uh, follow me there. Having a hard time speaking today. But uh, I have a van lifer named Sarah Yak who's going to be calling, and she's really cool, and she's got a great YouTube channel, and she really talks about all sorts of different things. She seems uh, quite philosophical as well, and that's a lot of fun. And uh, she, she talks about her van, she talks about life, uh, she talks about uh, her feelings, her emotions. And I think that's one thing about van life and uh, living alone in your van especially. Here she is now. Let's just, let's just talk to her. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Tom. How are you? I was just... Uh, Introing the show when uh, when you called just now, and I was telling everybody about uh, what I was watching on your YouTube channel, and so yeah, we're rolling and re- we're rolling now. I've, I've been enjoying uh, looking at some clips on your channel. I'm new to your channel, but I really really enjoy it. Um, how long have you been on the road for now, Sarah? I've been on the road for a little over a year and a half now. Wow, that's pretty cool. What what made yeah. you, what made you decide to just pick up and take off like that? 
I was in college, it was my second year, and I wasn't, I was pretty depressed and not really happy because I was there, um, not because I wanted to be there, but because my parents wanted me to be there and wanted me to, like, get a degree. So I didn't really feel like I had purpose or responsibility, so I decided um, I was just going to, like, go for it and try to pursue this dream life of travel and creating art and kind of this nomadic lifestyle. So I dropped out. Um, and then after that, for a couple of years, I saved up, bought the van, and I built it out myself with the help of my dad to save money instead of paying someone else to convert it. And then, yeah, that's how I got the van. So what kind of van, what kind of van is it that you're uh, traveling around in? I have a 2017 Ford Transit, and it's the mid-roof. So I'm only 5'2", so it works, the mid-roof works for me, but... If it's like if someone's six feet, you kind of have to like uh, I don't know, kind of squat a little bit. You seem really handy. Like on, I was watching you changing your oil. Uh, I was watching you installing a hot water heater. You know, you're drilling and building this van all all on your own. I mean, I'm not I'm not quite that handy myself. I'm good with electronics, but not really with carpentry and things like that. How do you learn how to do all of that? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's funny because I'm actually really bad at electronics. I feel like it's kind of the opposite for me. But um, so I learned, I kind of had my basic, sorry, I kind of had my basic foundation when I got the van. Like I've always been, I've loved doing things with my hands. So I always made jewelry. I worked at a rock climbing gym where I learned how to use a screwdriver and a drill and like all these basic tools. And then when I got the van, um, I learned things in a various different ways. Like if I, like, for example, I recently am, um, building a bird cage for my bird Zeus, who's going to be joining me on the road. Um, and basically what I'll do, even with changing oil is I'll just look up on YouTube and find a video and watch it. And then I'll write down notes like, Oh, this is the tool I need. This is how much I need to torque it. Um, and if I have any questions, or, like, I'm stuck on a problem, I'm stuck on, like, how to kind of um, bring an idea into fruition. Thankfully, my dad is super handy, and so he helps me a lot with the van when I'm in Texas visiting him, visiting my parents and my family. But if I'm on the road, I also just meet people who I can ask. Like, when I was in Tahoe, I had this drawer break, and I kind of didn't know what to do and how to fix it. And I met a friend who actually had like a contracting thing and he just helped me out. I was like, oh, this is what you should do. You should drill through the drawer guide. I don't know. So it, you just meet people who want to help you. And then I learned from that. Like I learned from all those experiences when my dad helps me solve a problem. Next time I know, oh, this is how he did it. And I can kind of learn that way. Yeah, I've been traveling around for about six months now in my van. Not full-time, but almost full-time. I pop back into my home in Los Angeles occasionally, but but uh, I've been finding it really is interesting because there's all sorts of problem-solving you have to do. You have to figure out, like you said, how to fix things or how you, how to cook food or how what to eat or where to go. Um, I'm doing a lot of photography and videography, and so for me, a lot of it, it's about finding cool places to go take pictures and to make videos. Do you have a favorite place you like to go, and uh, and is, is, is that part of the equation for you, figuring out where you're going to go next? 
Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with you. I think like one aspect of living on the road that is kind of neglected in conversation online is actually how much problem solving you have to do more so than when you live in a house, because it does feel like there's always problems. There's always things going wrong in the van. There's always maintenance or there's always like, oh, this is falling. How can I figure that out? But parking and location also plays a role in that because every single night you're having to figure out, you know, where you're going to sleep and where you're going to go. Um, I have recently, like this last year, spent a lot of time in Utah, which is one of my new favorite places. I really, my first six months in the van, I spent a lot of time in California. And then when the pandemic broke out and everything, I kind of hunkered down in Utah and really got to know that state. And I think it's such a underrated state just because it's, um, I don't know, there's so much nature and so much BLM land that you can really like uh, get a good spot in nature. But I think as time goes on and the more and more I travel and live in my van, the easier it gets because every single campsite I find, I pin on Google Maps. So next time I'm in the area, I have so many different pins where I have notes under each pin and the notes will tell me like, this is what the service I have. This is how much room I have. This is the flat ground. This is how the drive is to get there. And so I don't have to like search as much and find on different apps a new parking spot. I already know, oh, I parked here last time and it was good for me. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, because I mean, that's always like a nice combination of things i'm noticing to find a place that's really naturally beautiful that you know you feel like you're really you know out there in the in the wild and experiencing life but then you also have cell phone service sometimes those two things don't really kind of go hand in hand uh, and i yeah. I, per- I personally like it when i'm in a place that has cell phone service because i feel a bit safer when i can uh, text my mommy yeah, no, definitely. My parents have definitely freaked out a couple times because I've just, without telling them, have gone into these mountains that don't have service. And they're like, well, you haven't said anything for four days, but I didn't know I wasn't going to have service. And then, you know, I just ended up staying there. But I highly recommend the app Free Roam. I don't know if you've heard about it. No, what's, what's can- that? Free Roam. So what I do to find campsites is I'll go on like the the stereotypical app, which is iOverlander or like uh, freecampsites.net online. But then you go into free roam and you find the campsite you found on iOverlander and they have a gridding system. So you can turn on a grid that shows you all the service. Like you, you'll find that campsite and then you'll say, okay, I have Sprint. So you turn on Sprint and you see if how many bars that area will have. Wow. And it's accurate. Like in my experience, I've noticed it's pretty accurate. That's really helpful. How do they even know how to do that? How's that work? Do you know how it works? <laughs> I do not know. <laughs> I do not know. It's like a magical system. I'm like, okay, I like this. It helps me out. That is so cool. Yeah, I love Utah, too. I, I had a really uh, great time up there. But I found that like it started getting really cold. So I drove south to uh, southern Arizona because it was really getting cold up there in Utah and New Mexico. Are you, are you fine? How do you, how do you deal with the cold? Like I have a dog, my dog, Charlie travels with me and, you know, I would wake up in the morning and the, and the, the water in the dog bowl was frozen solid. And I, I said to myself, yeah. I think, I think I got to start driving south now. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, with cold, I have uh, like a little system set up. I do have a diesel heater and so that's really helpful. But when I was in Utah last, that actually, I got rear-ended by a semi-truck. So I couldn't open my back doors and I couldn't access my diesel heater. 
And since I was traveling full time, I honestly didn't have like somewhere where I could get it fixed and actually just stay in a spot for a while and um, have somewhere to stay while they were fixing it. So there were a couple months where I couldn't access my diesel heater. So what I did when I didn't have that diesel heater is I, I used my sleeping bag that I brought for camping. I just put that on my bed. And in addition to that, I had a hot water bottle, which is just this thing I bought off Amazon for, I think it was like 10 bucks maybe. Um, and it's, you just fill it with boiling water and then it, it has a little like cloth cotton cover so that it doesn't burn you. But I found that the combination of those two are so cozy, but also they, it's, I don't know, it's just, it lasts for like seven hours. It's really good. Ah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I got a good Arct- Arctic Sub-Zero sleeping bag. And I also, uh, I got these down booties. Have you ever, have you, ever, have you have down booties? No, I don't. Oh, those are pretty cool. I just discovered those. Down, they're like down slippers that you wear inside your sleeping bag. And uh, they keep your feet warm. That's all. You know, you know what I like about your uh, YouTube. I mean, I haven't seen every video, but I've been watching uh, a few of them, and I like how you sort of get pretty philosophical and introspective. It's not really just about van life. You're doing a lot of commentary about about all sorts of different subjects, and and uh, how do you come up with your ideas, and what makes you decide to uh, talk about a certain thing? Yeah, I do implement a lot of different things, and I honestly just make videos about whatever I'm thinking at the time. And I think part of that is because I view it as my journal in a way. Like I have tangible journals that I write in and then sometimes an idea is so predominant and it's just like a lesson that I'm learning on my journey right now. And I feel like it's um, something that will benefit other people to hear and just something I kind of want to include. And I feel like I really like kind of immersing these different worlds like yes it is van life but on the journey of van life it's not just like uh i don't know it's not just the lessons you learn living in a van they're not um they're more they are philosophical at least for me like i feel like i've learned a lot of philosophical ideas and lessons along the along my travels how do you handle being alone all the time? I mean, some people are good at that, and, and I, I, I'm, I'm actually pretty good at that, but some people really kind of can't handle being alone. Is it fun for you being alone? Yeah, I love um, I think I'm not alone all the time because I do have people visit. I also meet people who live in vans and will caravan together and drive to different campsites and kind of create like a neighborhood in nature where we have our own bands. And um, so I'm not alone all the time, but I am alone for extended periods of time. I think more so than the average person. But for me, I really love both. I love being with people, but I really love being alone as well because when I am alone, I don't, I have a lot of things that I love to do that don't require another person. Those things are like art and painting and writing and making videos and hiking, um, and making jewelry and all these different things that I enjoy doing and kind of bring me into the present moment, something that I can do alone and like really gain, um, gain a lot of fulfillment from. Are most, are are most van lifers you encounter videotaping and photographing their experience or do you meet people that are just doing it for themselves and, and not sharing it? So In my experience on the road, I've kind of met like two calibers of nomadic people. And one of them is 
with the type of van I have, like a cargo van. It's super nice, super built out. And yeah, I do find that people that live in vans like mine are trying to make it um, a digital thing. So they want to be taking videos and they have a strong social media platform and they want to be sharing their story, which there's so much beauty in that. Definitely. Like I've definitely benefited from that and I love that, but I've also meet another type of people who are nomadic and um, usually these are all stereotypes. Of course, there's people on both ends that are either, but there are a lot of people that just travel in like cars or SUVs and it's not as built out, maybe not as expensive, but they're still benefiting from a life of travel. And a lot of times those people don't have any social media and they're super like, um, off grid. And I really love that too. And I feel like traveling alongside people like that and meeting people like that has taught me so much about being more present. And, um, I don't know, I think it's a really great way to travel. So how do you end up meeting these people? Not necessarily the people that are not on social media, but do you meet people online or do you just go to a certain BLM area, a Bureau of Land Management area, which is sort of a new term for me really this year. And I've, I've just grown to love all of this Bureau of Land Management land, all of these amazing places that you can go in this country that are just open to the public to go live on. Uh, for 14 day periods. Um, I just, I love it. But like, do you just, you, you drive down a road, you see someone at a campsite, maybe you wave, they say hello, all of a sudden you're friends or how do you, how do you meet people when you're driving around in your van by yourself? Um, it happens super organically. Like I, I don't know. It's never me like going up to someone and being like, Hey, do you want to, I mean, sometimes it is that though, actually, sometimes it's like you see someone close to you having a bonfire, they seem cool. And you share that bonfire and you like roast some s'mores or whatever. Um, But (laughs) in my experience, some of my favorite interactions are very organic. I'm just like hanging out at a hot spring and then someone comes and like they, we end up sharing conversation about something we really like. And then we end up traveling together after that because they're nomadic and they don't have a plan either. So we're like, Oh, okay, I'm going to go here in Utah to do crystals. And they're like, okay, I don't have any plans. I like crystals. Like, let's go. And then, um, yeah, and I'm trying, like, another uh, example is rock climbing. I think rock climbing is a great way. All these activities are great ways to meet people. So things that I love, I'm going rock climbing, I see someone near rock climbing, and we just have an organic conversation, end up staying in touch, and, and yeah, traveling together in the future. I've never done rock climbing, and, and to be honest with you, I don't think I ever will because it scares me. <laughs> because yeah. I, I know that if I tried rock climbing, I would fall. I just know I would. And and I, I'm not afraid of heights, but I know that if I tried climbing up a cliff, something would go wrong and it would not end well for me. But how are you are you concerned first of all of the safety aspects of that, I guess? How do you how do you prevent yourself from getting injured and do you go rock climbing when you're all by yourself or do you have someone there with you usually just in case there's an accident of some sort? No, I definitely don't go rock climbing by myself. I always go with a partner for, yeah, safety. And also because my favorite top of, type of rock climbing is top roping and sport climbing, which means you need a rope and you need someone belaying you and assisting you up the wall. So, But it is a dangerous sport inherently. And I, the ways I feel safe because I worked at three different rock climbing gyms throughout my life. And so I learned a lot of the different safety measures. So I feel confident that I know what I'm doing and I know that I can do it safely. And then 
what I have to make sure is that the person, my partner belaying me, is also doing it safely and knows the safe safety measures. So, um, yeah, there are different precautions that you take and you learn in rock climbing to make sure you can do it safely. And I never push myself beyond my limits to where I think I'm doing something um, too risky. I'm actually a very safe climber. Like, I will never... I'm kind of scared, actually, because I broke my ankle the very first time I was bouldering in a rock climbing gym. So ever since then, I've really kind of stayed within my bounds, especially climbing outdoors and just make sure that that doesn't happen again. So, okay, so just to break down the rock climbing for a minute, because I don't know anything about rock climbing. I mean, I know I know what I've seen in maybe documentaries about it. I watched the Free Solo documentary. That's everything I know about rock climbing. But... When you go rock climbing, do you what do you you, you have a rope and you, you have to like hammer the little the little metal like spike into the rock and or is the spike already there and then and then and then how do you trust the rope? I mean, aren't you worried like the rope's going to break? I mean, I'd be worried that the rope's not, that the rope's going to break. The rope definitely won't break as long as you're keeping up to date with your or you know, yeah, as long as you're keeping up to date with your rope and you're making sure you're paying attention to if it's fraying in certain areas and you're also paying attention to, like, the lifespan of the rope. But when you buy a rope at REI, it's it's rated for a certain weight, way over anything you're going to put on it. So I feel very comfortable with the rope as long as you're tying the knots right, as long as you're, you know, doing all the clipping right. And then usually there's different types of climbing. So there's trad where you can actually yeah, you can put gear in to create the hooks. I've never done that. That, to me, seems really scary and advanced. But what I do more is lead, lead climbing and top rope climbing, where you find an existing route that already has the bolts, and you just find that through an app called Mountain Project. And you'll, like, I'll look in my area and say, oh, look, this is a route, and this is the grade, which means the difficulty of it. And this seems like it. It fits my range of skills, and then it's already bolted. But see, so the thing this is the, this is the thing, Sarah, that uh, that worries me because, like, the bolts—they're just bolts that somebody hammered into a cliff, right? I mean, what if the bolt breaks? I mean, is there? I mean, it's just you're out in the middle of nowhere. It's some bolt that somebody hammered into the cliff ten years ago. What if it's like rusted or the rocks cracked, and then you just stick your rope in the bolt, and then the bolt pulls out, and it's game over, right? I mean, how can you how can you possibly feel comfortable just you know leaving your life in the hands of some random bolt? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I've honestly never thought of that. I'm sure, like the I've never heard of a situation of a bolt breaking, but now that I think about it, that definitely could be possible. But I still feel. Like, when you do lead climbing, even if a bolt were to break, you would still just fall to the bolt underneath it because you're you're clipping on every single bolt. Ah, so, would, so there's, like, yeah. dual redundancy bolt system. You're, you're on multiple yeah. bolts. Exactly, ah. yeah. That makes me feel a lot better. I didn't know there were multiple bolts involved, so that makes me feel a lot better. Yeah, no, there's definitely, there's safety measures. And I'm sure that when they bolt it in, too, they do some sort of rating for weight the same way they do with rope. Huh, okay, okay, I got it, I got it. So how often do you move locations when you're when you're in your van? Do you go somewhere for a week, go to the next spot, you move every day? Uh, what's, what's, the, what's the sort of system there, and how do you decide when it's time to move on to the next spot? Um, I move on to the next 
spot when I feel, when I, just when I want to, really, when I feel like, okay, I've explored this area enough. But usually that looks like two weeks, like 14 days to even a month. Um, like, in terms of, I know on BLM you can't, you can stay only 14 days. So sometimes I'll just, like, move really close nearby if I really like the area. So, yeah, I travel pretty slowly, and I think it just saves me money, and I'm able to kind of explore more deeply the nature. But if I if I have friends visiting, I will travel more quickly. So that will look like a few days in a spot or even just a couple days, and then I'm moving. And that's because I think when friends are visiting, they kind of want to see different spots and go on. I don't know. They just want to move more quick pace, or at least those are the friends that I've had visit. And so I want to be able to kind of fulfill that and, like, show them that aspect and also money's not as big of a problem when I have people visiting because they just pitch in for gas and groceries and stuff. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So where do you want to go next? And uh, is there anywhere that you haven't been that you want to go? I haven't explored any of the East Coast, but um, I honestly don't have a big desire to explore the East Coast right now anyways. Like I'm sure I definitely will in the future. But in the van this time around, the route that I'm hoping to take is I want to do Arizona and Utah again. And then this time, instead of going to California, which is what I did last time, I want to do Colorado and then up and possibly to Canada, depending on international travel regulations and how that looks this year. Yeah, that's very cool. I was just in the Cabiza Prieta wilderness area in southern Arizona, just along the Mexico border. And that was beautiful. I would suggest checking that out if you're in the area. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be going through Arizona, so I'll write that down. Yeah, it's a little it's a little bit more remote. It's south, the Cabiza Prieta Wilderness Area and the Oregon Pipe Cactus National Monument are very beautiful, uh, beautiful places. But um, and it's warm there right now, which is good. Um, mm, okay. you know, I just left there actually last week, so I uh, I uh, had a great time. Uh, I shot a music video out in the middle of the desert all by myself. Um, you know, that's kind of what cool. I find I do to kind of keep myself busy is I kind of like like to focus on my videos and and uh, making music. But you do you do painting as well. You said so you do you have painting supplies with you in the van and you're you go set up and and paint or, or what do you do to pass the time? Yeah, I do also have painting supplies. When I lived in a house, I would that's part of the way I actually raise money for the van. I had multiple different streams of income, but one of them was selling paintings. But when I was doing paintings in a, in a home and in a spot, I was doing really big canvases and acrylic paintings, which I really just don't have space for in the van. So I kind of shifted everything in terms of painting in the van to watercolor. And so I just have a little box in my van that has all my art supplies. I have like pens and watercolors and, um, water like color paper and i don't know everything that i would need and to do a cool watercolor painting i love that yeah i i I like dabble in painting a little bit i've i've got some ink uh some india ink uh pens with me as well i do some drawing i'm doing my black and white photography with my film camera and it's just kind of keeping me busy out there but I mean, do you think that this is the kind of thing that you can do forever? Uh, do you plan on staying on the road for an extended period of time? Is this a is this a temporary uh, uh, thing, or, or what's the long term plan? Honestly, I don't have a super concrete long term plan because this is just the way I travel 
like like I said, I stay in one camp spot until I just don't want to anymore. And I think that's what I'll do with living in a van. I'll just live in a van until I don't want to anymore. And then I'll sell it and buy something else. But I honestly don't imagine myself, uh, like I can't imagine myself living a life where I don't travel to some capacity. And because living in a van is such an immersive and convenient experience, honestly, it's a convenient way to travel and be in nature for extended periods of time. I think that even if I were to one day settle down and have a house somewhere, I will always have, I think, a van or some avenue to travel in that way. And another thing I kind of think about is I feel like at some point in my life, I'm going to do this internationally or backpack internationally and be nomadic overseas. Um, and so that might not look like living in a van, but it will still have the same um, energy, I guess, that van life carries in the way of being able to like go somewhere new um, without too much of a concrete plan. So you you do a lot of interaction with your your fans on YouTube. I mean, in the comments section and things like that, or do you? Because it it seems like you've got a really great fan base. You're getting tons of views. You're really very popular on there. Is that is that sort of a way of kind of socializing as well online? Yeah, I do think so. I mean, I've met people through my YouTube that I've actually like become friends with, and even am planning to travel with and stuff like that. Um, so I think it's a really great community in a way. And I get a lot of comments of people being like, I feel like you're my best friend. And it, it's crazy. I was thinking about it last night that I do feel like my subscribers are my best friends too, because if I ever have a problem, I just make a video about it. And I'm like, does anyone have advice on like this water system and what I could do? And I get so many comments of people like supporting or trying to help me figure out these problems. So I think it's, a really great community for me and, and for everybody I think involved, like even the conversations and all the tips people provide online, there's stuff that I haven't learned and I haven't given in my videos, but I think people can learn from those comments. And I, I really like that. I like how interactive, um, yeah, it is. Yeah. I find it kind of wild because, you know, I, I, uh, I've been spending a lot of time alone during this pandemic in my van and traveling and at home before I got the van. And, uh, and uh, so, you know, I will, I'll go stream live sometimes. And sometimes it'll be like a night and I'll, I'll start streaming and talking to everybody and playing music and goofing around with Charlie, my dog. And all of a sudden it'll get real late. And then I, I'm realizing, you know, like, oh, this is my social outlet. You know, this is this is what's kind of keeping me like emotionally socialized by talking to my phone on a live stream. And then and then what happens a lot is like I, I just get so comfortable that I, I kind of fall asleep while I'm in the middle of a live stream. And then everybody oh, wow. everybody gets really worried and they think that I've died or something. But I'm like, no, it's four o'clock in the morning. I fell asleep. Don't worry about me. That's that's kind of how comfortable I've gotten on my live stream. I've been falling asleep lately on the live stream, and I'm trying to tell everybody, don't worry, I'm just falling asleep. I think this is kind of like the new phase for television, right? Like when, when I was growing up, I used to like watching uh, Johnny Carson, right? Johnny Carson never fell asleep in the middle of the show, right? And then woke up seven hours later, you know, in, in a puddle of drool, right? So... I enjoy that. <laughs> that is too funny. I cannot believe that you fall asleep on your live streams. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's happened a few times this past uh, couple of months, actually. And I, I'm actually realizing that 
you know, people are saying, hey, you got to stop streaming late at night. You're falling asleep. You're scaring everyone. I think the more it happens, the less scary it will be. It will become normal, and then no one will, no one will even mind anymore. Yeah, that's definitely the answer. Actually, your entire live stream should just be you sleeping. You're like, okay, I'm getting tired. Everybody tune in for me. <laughs> exactly. I start the stream when it's time to go to sleep. I like that. That's yeah. a good idea. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Hey, exactly. Sarah, Sarah, I, re- I appreciate you calling in. I really like your YouTube channel so much, and uh, I really think it's so cool what you're doing. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to sort of, you know, I'm, I'm new to the van life myself, but I'm, I'm loving it. To me, it's just a great way to get out to really amazing places and take photos and do video in some incredible spots that I wouldn't normally be able to get to. But, um, um, you know, let, let, me, let me ask you a couple, a couple questions that you've probably been asked a million times before before we go, just because I, I know this is sort of a... The Van Life podcast that I'm doing here is, is actually new, and I want to make sure that my listeners really understand some of the details about what it's like living in a van. So like, like little kind of rapid-fire uh, questions here, like, how do you cook? Do you, how do you cook? On a campfire? Have- on an electric stove? On gas? What, what do you use? Gas stove? How do, how do you cook? I have an induction cooktop that runs off my solar panels, but I also definitely love fire-roasted veggies on a bonfire. I did that a lot in Utah. I have friends who do propane, so yeah, you can definitely make it work a variety of ways. That's so cool. Um, Now, uh, what about uh, showers? Uh, do, Do you have, like, hot water? How do you take a shower? I have a Planet Fitness membership that's $20 a month, and there's Planet Fitnesses all over the country. Oh. Also, when I'm deep in nature, not near a Planet Fitness, I have an outdoor shower that runs off my water pump to the back of my van. And I have this thing off Amazon that's kind of like a big waterproof tent or yes, it's this big collapsible tent type of thing that covers you while you shower if you need some privacy. But if I'm really deep in nature, I honestly just shower naked out in the open because there's no yeah, yeah, that's that's what I've been doing too in my van, you know, I, you know, because there's no one around, anyways. But that you just made me think of something because you know my sort of introduction into van life and doing this was because of the pandemic. So, you know, I've kind of been avoiding going into places like gyms and grocery stores and things like that, and I try to get all my food with me before I leave. Uh, on an adventure, I have a lot of freeze dried meals and canned food and stuff that I can kind of, kind of, you know, compactly, you know, travel with, but. But you just made me realize how much, you know. Let's 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 hope this pandemic ends soon. But how much, how much easier and more fun it's going to be to do this when the pandemic is over? Because you could just go to the gym and take a shower there. You could go to you know a, a restaurant or a, and do all sorts of uh, things, right? That you can't really do now. Yeah, yeah. The pandemic really changed. It's- interesting because you started van life i guess hearing your time frame after the pandemic so that's right isn't it yeah i did yeah i just started doing it about six months ago yeah so it is crazy because it did change a lot of things it made it, i mean i had to completely shift my way of life in a lot of ways and that's part of the reason why i started traveling so slow this last year is because yeah it's like two weeks to a month in one spot and you don't travel much not only because it saves money, but also because just for safety, I would go into town, get groceries for a month, and then go off grid and try to sustain, like stay off grid for as long as I could, you know, before I'd have another interaction. So, yeah, that's amazing. Well, I'm having a great time. I'm enjoying following you on uh, on your uh, adventures, and uh, thanks for talking to me, Sarah. I really appreciate it. 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to Sarah Yak. You have to check her out on Instagram and all of her social media. Her name is spelled S-A-R-A-H-Y-A-K. Of course, it's also written in the description, so you knew that already. And, uh, yeah, just follow her and uh, follow me and subscribe, and thank you so much. And everybody, please subscribe to this uh, podcast uh, big thank you to Audio Up for supporting uh, this Van Life podcast. And uh, the more of you that listen uh, and the more of you that subscribe, uh, then the uh, happier everybody is going to be. Uh, and I appreciate that. I appreciate it so much. Uh, I've got a lot of uh, adventures uh, in store. There's some big plans that I'm making now for this show and for uh, for my journey and uh, for everything else. Um you know, it's interesting being out here because I can kind of come in out of the desert and close the doors and just go into this little world with you guys. Uh, but I will tell you that I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be, oh, there's my freaking phone going. I will tell you that I'm going to be, um, I will tell you that I'm going to be uh, doing some really cool stuff soon uh, with this podcast where I'm going to get some cameras on it. I'm going to start really showing you the making of the podcast. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, within the next few weeks, uh, you're going to be able to watch the podcast on YouTube uh, as well as listen to it here. So uh, that's really fun. I want you guys to kind of see what it looks like behind the scenes. Uh, obviously, you can go to my YouTube channel and my Instagram and Twitter and see stuff, but you can't actually see me right now. Like you can't see me right now, right? Because I'm not even really pointing a camera at myself. And the reason for that, by the way, let me tell you the reason for that. It's just a lot of uh, time and energy for me just surviving out here, traveling, cooking, recording the podcast, shooting all the videos for the YouTube channel, and I want to do it right. So I'm getting all the little components together uh, to make it easier for me to to video and uh, broadcast a television version of this of this podcast. Tom Green Van Life Podcast. So thanks, everybody. Stay tuned. But for now, it's theater of the mind. You have to visualize me talking into this microphone in the Sheephole Wilderness area. Google that. Google the Sheephole Wilderness area and and watch for some of my videos out there. There's going to be a a lot more uh, cool stuff coming soon. And I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. y'all i'm uncle drank star of the ballad of uncle drank it is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me fictional golf and western country music pioneer uncle drank the series also stars luke wilson brian kelly chelsea lynn kinky friedman and billy zane as a talking blender named blendy you can find the ballad of uncle drank on sirius xm pandora stitcher or wherever you get your podcast